Welcome to the latest episode. I've got a powerhouse uh, with me today. Um, I want to introduce to you the latest guest. Uh, she is a senior lecturer at the University of Newcastle in the land of the Aurobacal people in Australia. And she's also the director um, at the Center for African Research, Engagement and Partnerships. But our conversation today is not necessarily, she's not the voice of the university. She's here to speak mainly about CAPE. Uh, Dr. Janet Jato is our guest today. Welcome, Dr. Janet. Thank you very much, Tony. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm, I'm glad to have you. I remember <laughs> we, we met at, uh, during my graduation and you were like, I ah, yeah, there's a podcast. Why, why is it that we haven't made it there? And, and it was a good question because I had you in mind, but I was still waiting for the right time to arrive and the time has come. Oh, welcome that time. I really was looking up to the time so that we can be together and speak to your audiences, my audiences and yeah. everybody's audiences. So yeah. it's a pleasure to be here. That's great. That's great. So if you don't mind, maybe we start a little bit back with your background. Can you share with us your your speciality? What are, what are you working on? I am an economist. Mm -hmm. I teach at the university. Uh, my research is mainly in health economics, development economics, and within the development economics, that's really broad. So currently, I'm looking at sustainable development, uh, tapping into UN sustainable development goals. I look at energy, and I look at equity. I look at farming, sustainability broadly. Wow, that's amazing. And as for the sustainable development goals, is it more on a global scale or you only focus on the African context? Global. Just global, yeah. Because um, the sustainable issues doesn't affect, it doesn't know nation boundaries. Right. We have to work together as a global unity to attack, to be able to bring the sustainable development goals to pass. Right. So um, economists, or my part of it, I normally look at what has been, what has nations been doing, uh, especially in terms of energy. If we take the whole global perspective, you would see that countries, each country is having its role to play. But things that countries do doesn't necessarily affect specific countries. It affects the global nation. So we cast a broad overview and try to see if we can advise the global audience or players so that they come together mm -hmm. and we tackle the sustainable challenges together. Right, perfect. For how long have you been with the University of Newcastle? I've been with the University of Newcastle since 20, is it 20, I forgot the date, 2003. 2003, yes, right. So almost 20 years now. Wow, yeah. wow. And you now moved recently towards you know taking over the directorship of the of KP. Yes. how many years at, at this moment i started on 2020 so heading to the third year to the so third year two years gone yeah. right right um that's interesting i just wanted to sort of give the listeners a bit of a perspective that i'm really talking to a powerhouse here hence i said it earlier on when i was introducing you um KP, what is KP and what are the objectives i'd love for us now to shift the direction more to speak about KP and community engagement. If you can take us through um, the objectives of the center. Right. KP stands for Center for African Research, 
engagement, and partnerships. Uh, it's a center within the university, and based on the topics, you see that we do research, we do partnership, and we engage the community uh, that want to work with the university. The objectives of KP has been that we have different people interested in African activities, mm -hmm. and many staff in different faculties, schools, colleges work on African projects, and not only Africa. Um, I have mentioned briefly that I work in sustainability, and the idea within the university or global community is if we have an idea that is applicable anywhere, we could take it and then work together. So KP was established a year before I became the director, 2019, mm -hmm. November, yeah. and I became the director in 2020, April. The idea or objectives of KP is to collab forge collaboration between university researchers and partners anywhere. So we have people who are interested working on African projects or projects that relate to the two continents, Australia and Africa. Mm -hmm. We have people who have um, developed ideas like uh, health issues that applies globally. And if those people are interested in taking their ideas to Africa, KP comes in to bring in what we call the institutional guidepost. Mm -hmm. The guidepost, the part of it is try to get memorandum of understanding, for example, try to help both parties, that is African workers as well as Australian researchers, to work on equal terms. It does turn out most of the time to be like people think Africans are coming in as subordinates, but that's not it. People have the knowledge, they have the expertise, they want to partner with people, so <laughs> KP guides people so that they can work together on equal basis and we say enhance humanity with the ideas we have. Right. So earlier on you mentioned that people from different departments would come and you know show interest in Africa. Do you mind maybe speaking a little bit about them, not individually, but as to say are they necessarily Africans or those are mainly Australians? And if they are Australians, what's their interest and their sort of level of expertise with Africa? I would say they are global citizens okay. because we have different university employees, people that are of the best caliber. So we have Africans employed by the university. We have Australians. We have people from all over the world, US, UK, wherever people who work within the university mm -hmm. and across Australia because they also have their partners in other institutions. Uh, broadly, we have projects in health uh, that are going to Africa that is partnering uh, health workers here with African health workers, ministries of health in Africa. We have projects in uh, politics or tourism extending to Africa from uh, and research experts or experts in those fields working here. We have, I call health, but things like mental health, uh, cervical cancer, and other projects that are in health going to Africa. We have a um, pathway that is pathway within the university where students from Africa who haven't qualified to enter university straight away will do one year there and continue with the university. So we have engineering students. Uh, we have actually students across all colleges from Africa. 
Uh, you use the word global citizen. I'm trying to figure out how, in what context are they global citizen? How should I understand the phrase global citizen? I tend to use global citizen because we all one. Right. Uh, you don't come here and look for African or Australians or Americans or um, people from the European Union. We have everybody here who the university has appointed to work and you listen to people speaking you can pick from accents that this person is from america this person is from x and y country but we're all working towards the global good so i would say they are working here i don't know their citizenship mm -hmm. that's why i can't say that they are australians or they are africans or else mm -hmm. i could be an african but i am probably an australian citizen right. and i identify with australia and promote australia as much as i do africa right I don't know to what extent should I push politically, if, if you can give me the, <laughs> the thumbs up of it. The, the reason for the question as to who are they and, and the response of global citizen, I'm not mainly against it, but I'm just asking for somebody who might be curious to say, so I, I, we come from different disciplines. I'm more leaning towards the political science. So sometimes the political science head tends to creep in. Feel, feel free to sort of call it down to silence if you feel the need to. To say global citizens, I don't know the people's nationality. I just want to work with global. I just want to work with bright minds and stuff like that. It's good. It's amazing. But doesn't that in a way make somebody who's an African to think deeply to say, especially those who've been sort of critical of the history of colonization, to say this has been happening for quite too long where people will enter our spaces and do as they wish. But now it is perhaps maybe time to think about what is the cohort, the greater cohort of Africans who are in the diaspora who come to work with Africans in the motherland for right political reasons than having just any other person who might come into the space. We don't know who they are. They do this, their identity seems to be sort of closed up, but they might be here to sort of push whatever agenda, advance themselves, work their careers high. And yes, they might do one or two things to sort of advance Africa, but the greater part is that it's not necessarily just about Africa, but it's also about their own individual careers. How would you respond to somebody who might pose that kind of a question? I would start and say that's where KP comes in, mm -hmm. providing institutional basics. Uh, university is a university is approaching things universally, right. so it does not allow individuals to go and project their interests. It must there are guidelines that you follow. Uh, in terms of the global citizen issue, yeah. um, I think colonization or colonialism is a history. It's still happening. It did happen and it's still happening. Uh, people in the diaspora, I think the diaspora, that countries that accept people to move, they have opened up their hearts and arms and accepted us, and we come and learn and pick up uh, instincts or ideas here and there. There might be diaspora moving back to Africa, they have learned, that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. We might see somebody who doesn't look like an African, but has Africa at heart. Many people are having charities and other things trying to uh, help people anywhere. In fact, global issues are beyond boundaries. They are beyond one person. Right. But as individuals, 
there is always an adage that one bad nut can spoil the rest. It means there is that possibility that we have somebody who probably will come and do things that uh, we might accept. If I say we, I'm talking as Australian, I'm talking as <laughs> Africans. You know, for the word, I'm a bit uncomfortable to even be talking about Africa because we have so many countries in Africa. We approach things differently. We True. call for African unity. Yeah. So if we could tap into the mindset of an African, we need to know what is happening at the Western Coast, the Eastern Coast, Central and Southern Africa. Pick specific countries mm -hmm. and find the needs and try to address it. Mm -hmm. I think that is what the global mentality is coming from, from my perspective. Not necessarily looking at nationality or creed right. or race or anything. Right, right. That's that's amazing. If you can take us then into the membership um, of KP. Yes, you've already started talking about few... Not not as individuals, but the fact that there are people from different nationalities. You might not know their nationalities and so on. But how does one get membership into CAPI at, at this the, moment? Yeah, At the moment, it's open. It's free for all. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to restrict people because of uh, some barriers. We want people to run with their ideas. Once you are interested to have something to do with Africa, if we're talking about Africa, it's not necessarily Africa. It's just an idea. If Australia is probably developing smart energy uh, ideas, for example, scientifically, and we have students from Africa coming to study, not necessarily coming in person to Af uh, Australia, I think COVID has moved yeah. us online, so we can collaborate with institutions in Africa. Most of the time, students need sponsorship if there is not enough scholarship, and yet we find uh, teachers or lecturers from both continents or institutions they can collaborate and train people that's a good issue so we can have people join KP once they have the idea and they are willing and have the heart to do something to promote Africa as well as Australia and the rest of the world mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and let's go into the engagement so even students undergrad students can become part of KP it's not just is it is it not it's not just for research early earlier early research career people or higher research career people even in undergrad I can become part of yes that's a great issue you've raised yeah because students have heard comments that is for KP is for researchers yes our name doesn't put students in directly mm -hmm. it comes with research engagement and partnership but students from undergraduate we are training them to be researchers. Research means you are researching things that have happened already, mm -hmm. and we start learning those skills from undergrad, postgrad, onwards. Mm -hmm. So it's not only for postgraduate, uh, it's not only for high class researchers. Everybody yeah. that is interested and want to partner with anybody is welcome. Right, right. So if you say anybody who has an idea, so I'm thinking about students coming in, maybe not as researchers, but as part of the partnership, the last word of the name of the institution or the center so if in terms of partnership do you have as a center spaces where you can say perhaps this is not a, a, a go area for us is there any restrictions as to what kind of partnerships can we take in what kind can we not take in as, as maybe examples there's no restriction at all uh, because people might be interested in coming to tell you that in my country in africa somewhere this is an issue which we don't know here. Yeah. Can you pro probably look for somebody who is expert in that area and we work? 
In fact, we do have students who are leading researchers to their countries to partner and do research. So students and everybody, community members, everybody that has uh, an idea, not necessarily Africans, there are people here who have uh, pet projects in Africa. People have gone to Africa and introduced um, maybe female or gender, I mean, where we do have strict gender disparities in what we do. Mm -hmm. People have gone and are trying to break down those barriers. I will define that one because gender issues are a bit broad now. Yeah. Things like females riding motorbikes. Uh, I have a colleague who approached me and said that he's been an expert in Africa and he sent that idea and got people, ladies, uh, young women taking up motor riding, for example, and making living for themselves. And I was very excited mm. because uh, from what he told me, uh, females are not necessarily going into that uh, part of business before he went there. And that's a great idea. Yeah. And that person is not a university fellow. It's just somebody who is interested in Africa, right. has been there on holidays and found uh, a little niche or spot and think I can do something. So that's right. great. Right. So the the person is is a person coming on board now or it was just an idea and then saying Kepi, take care of it what what's the way forward that person approached me when we were in the heat of covid and right. we were thinking about how could we reach out to those people mm -hmm. we discussed it and i encouraged the person to encourage uh, the recruits into the motorbike female motorbike to save money so that they could eventually uh, you know if you have an investment and there is depreciation that's the motorbike might break down mm -hmm. is you encourage people the ladies in there to save money so that they can be able to replace uh, their capital which is the motorbike and continue that one right uh, i have lost contact a little bit with the fellow but it's a great idea and if that fellow hear me speaking now i'm sure he'll be giving the thumbs up yeah. and to all other people who have ideas i think they are encouraged to approach kp explore ideas how we can collaborate and how we can send uh, some goodness to people right, who right. it. Yeah. I love this example that you gave. Perhaps if I can use it as a bit of a case to lead towards a different kind of question. So the candidate who came to you, let me call the person a candidate because I'm not sure what we can call the person at the moment. Yes. Uh, the candidate who came to you and spoke about bicycles and whatnot in Africa, and it sounds like a brilliant idea. Perhaps, yes, the person saw women riding bicycles and then saw that there's a passion for it. Has there ever been a case where somebody becomes interested in something, or maybe let me rephrase the question to this. How does KP sort of, if somebody lends that kind of an idea, how does KP communicate with Africa or that particular context to ensure that indeed the people they saw might have any sort of interest into what the fellow or the candidate has actually seen. And not just only on the particular idea of the bikes, but on any other idea. How do we work with Africans in a sense that even when members of KP enters the space of Africa, experts, especially those who might not even be uh, Africans themselves, when they enter the space of Africa, they do that in a respectable way such that people don't feel like it's happening again. But how does KP ensure that kind of connection and respect for Africans, African knowledges, African ways of doing things? Right. I think uh, that's where maybe there is a bit of limitation in the sense that 
KP cannot go and police activities uh, for everyone. Mm -hmm. What we do is if we have people working with us in the, through the university, we work with other universities, then we have memorandum of understanding. That MOU or memorandum of understanding ensures that the operators are working within the limits of the institutions that are happening. The motorbike one I gave is not within the university, it's an individual project. Uh, we have uh, students bringing ideas, for example, in terms of uh, health. Uh, we have a United Nations Center here uh, linking through students, and we're working with an African country now within health, and that is within the Ministry of Health of that country and University of Newcastle. And it's a great partnership. Whoever brings the idea links us to people they are working with. So I did have interview with people that the fellow with the motorbike projects was working with mm -hmm. to find out what was happening and relay back to the person. That's what led me to tell the fellow that would like to have people save some of their money, reserve capital so that they can reinvest. So we can't police people as such, right. but within the institutional arrangements, if we have that one, we trust our counterparts or collaborators that they will do this just as a university is doing or with any institution to make sure we have equality and mm. we don't look down on people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I like what you say, activities uh, should be within the frames or the limits of the institution and so on. I'm curious in hearing, obviously we're not going to speak on behalf of the university itself, but KP and its assessment and while at the same time being cognizant of the frames of the university, to, what's, to what extent does KP watch over whether the frames of the university ways of engagement are also sort of respectable to indigenous rules indigenous in the context of africa or traditional rules because i know the phrase indigenous has actually sparked a lot of debates in so many different ways yes uh, i think as researchers i have been a researcher in africa before i came down here yeah my country if you go to research in a community, you visit the community elders, mm -hmm. inform them about what you're going to do, and if they give you the acceptance, then you go ahead. Without that, you cannot go. Yeah. Apart from that, there is ethics boards within institutions. So if you have a project in Africa, any country, and in University of Newcastle, you have ethics approval from University of Newcastle, and if the African institution or home country also wants ethics approval, you must observe that yeah. and follow if the financial institution that is supporting your project also needs some ethical or responsibility issues, all must be observed before projects are carried out. Mm -hmm. And how does that then look like in a context where it's not for research? Who, who gets to watch whether the space is still full of, is still having respect? I think that one lies heavily on our collaborators in Africa. They are the eyes we have on the ground, and they need to direct or guide people who come to work so that they follow things that are respectable to the locals and uh, other protocols before projects mm -hmm. are engaged. But without speaking in a way that might be disdainful to some African knowledges and whatnot, I mean, and and let me be reckless in terms of speech also, knowing that there's even parts of there's even corruption happening in many parts of Africa. I mean that's that's a fact, but we're not to debate that. Mm -hmm. 
as much as you might leave certain responsibilities to collaborators in Africa, is KPI also interested in seeing that collaborators in Africa too work in a way that apart from trying, and I'm not saying your particular partners are the ones who are corrupt or whatnot, but does KP ensure that the partners in Africa do not just do things with the intent to enrich themselves, but also respect the community? So, so to say, because perhaps part of the accountability that KP can hold other people, collaborators in Africa, could be that kind of a space to say, you should be speaking for those people, but we can see on our side, it seems as if there was maybe certain lines crossed and whatnot. We're very reluctant to go into this partnership unless we see and get the assurance that indeed people were confronted and consulted and they gave a go-ahead, unlike the so-called representative democracy where the people you appoint as leaders go and make the decisions, which is which would look different to a referendum, kind of a direct democracy. Okay, KP doesn't have the apparatus to monitor everyone, as right. I mentioned. But the expectations of all collaborators with KP is that they follow the institutional arrangements that there are. Mm -hmm. So we work directly with institutes, that is um, research centers, uh, universities, governments, non-governments, they must have their protocol. And before anything happens, KP is part of the university, so we do get things the university way. We get university approval, university um, facilities that are open to us, we use. And KP doesn't directly go into yeah. the projects. So it's, the onus is on the people who are engaging in that collaboration. Um, we want to see to read that we have equal respect. We have resources. We look for resources for people to work together with. And within the institutions, like if we're working with Ministry of Education or Ministry of Health, we assume that they are working according to uh, the requirements of their country or institution as we do here. And in terms of partnership, research, and engagement, anybody that goes to do any of those activities follow what is the established uh, approach. Mm -hmm. uh, whether people take it their way or not, that's one we can, we don't have the apparatus to uh, be sure that they do, but we assume that the countries and the institutions we're working with have those uh, set up so that they can ensure that there is transparency in all that we do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to try check all that that I'm saying, it might require a lot of time and probably even resources on the side of KP, right? Yes. And even on the side of the university. But I think I'm sorry for sort of pressing this question in this way. I'm thinking that the assumption or to sit and assume that your partner might be doing the right thing, it seems to me that might be sort of a lighter way of saying, let me take a step back away from holding my partner accountable. Yeah. I don't know, how, how would you receive that kind of a, yeah. That's what we call respect for each other. That's respect. We don't go to countries and dictate to people what they should do. When you start earlier and you're talking about colonialism, mm -hmm. etc., I think if we have uh, people sit up 
and they give assessment of what, or they assess the partnership or projects that are going, I'm assuming that they make objective decisions in terms of what they think is good for them. Right. Nobody can go to another person's house yeah. and dictate to the person what to do. Mm. That is the kind of respect we want to mm. uh, bring to KP approach to doing things. Uh, in fact, there is corruption everywhere. We should not do things in a way that is supposed to benefit society, to benefit ourselves. Right. So we have a lot of um, institutional arrangements to see that people declare conflict of interest and a whole lot of things uh, to be sure that the stated benefits of whatever project or engagement or partnership is going on is carried out as expected. Uh, it's, we cannot police everybody in yeah. terms of what they do. So yeah. in terms of, uh, and, and I do mention also that KP is just trying to bring this collaboration, uh, gets um, the resources that, ne that are necessary, and resources go to institutional ones, whether we need to negotiate with institutions, uh, funding bodies, governments, non-governments, ministries, we go in, we've hand on our heart that we come in and using the protocols that our university have and the trust of their institution to work to the benefit of society and not to the individuals. Right, right. In the case where KP might find that their partners either in Africa or here, main members here, might be doing something that is unethical. I'm not sure if that has ever happened, but in the case that that happens, what 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 does the what does KPC constitution requires to 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 happen in that case? Okay, in that one, I revert to university constitution. Right. And KP, as I mentioned, doesn't go directly to be involved. Is looking for members within the university community. So individuals that are involved mm -hmm. must observe all protocols. Right. If it doesn't happen, and we find any mishap. We revert to the university, call it out, and let university regulations follow what should be. The way forward, right. Yes. Let's go to students, their involvement. and But um, I was interested here to think about KP's sort of engagement and involvement in students' life, especially undergraduates, um, in a way that can also inspire undergraduate, undergraduates to feel that they can be part of KP. Is there any close link, any workings of that line between KP and undergraduate students? I know there was with uh, the postgraduate students, African postgraduate students, but yes. that society has kind of has kind of cut off now because of COVID. When yes. COVID happened, not having international students coming over, and also I know there was works with um, undergraduate society called ASNC. But can 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 doc maybe stretch further down as to the the most tangible practical engagements i would like to know what the tangible ones are uh, in terms yeah. of uh, the covid affected both undergraduate and postgraduates mm -hmm. um we have the uh, postgraduate association working closely with kp and then i had uh, some group of members from the undergraduate union 
uh, approaching me saying that the postgraduates are more into research yeah. and the undergraduates are trying to work through their exams and get their degree first and other activities. So they want to be a body on their own. Mm-hmm. I welcome them into KP Fold, but you know, student body is very fluid. Yeah. They come and go. Mm-hmm. So those who were interested at the time, I could see a lapse due to uh, COVID. In fact, because of COVID, most of the things that I started in 2020 were online until now. Yeah. Uh, in terms of practicality, I think university has its own um, organizations for students. So students join those organizations. KP is, is a very tantalizing um, concept, but KP is just a, 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 a center and we work with people, so we always, I always look for students and I invite them. If they have anything, the, the, the aim of KP is to make sure that African students here have the best time they asked, I mean, we could, they, could, they expected. If there is anything uh, affecting them and they want any mediation or they want an ear to hear, they can come to KP and KP, we don't have money, so we don't, our office is not large, it's just one person and we work into it. Mm-hmm. But I use my extra time, don't even have extra time for yeah. it. I devoted my time to KP and I'm always open to get people in and know if there is anything that concerns them, what we can do. I look for avenues and try to make life as enjoyable and their steady period as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. So my arms are open to them, but I want them to come to me. Uh, and tell me what we want to do. Right, right. And and I mean, I know some of my questions sounds very big. I'm not expecting KP to behave like it's a big government and you've got all the resources, but I think it is worth it is worth getting an aspect and a perspective and so that we hear also what is the heart of KP that for somebody who might be watching from the outside, they they are not really aware of it. So in terms of tangible things, you said you'd love to know what tangible I, I mean by that. Tangible would be sort of maybe helping students financially with or with food parcels during COVID times, checking on African students, making sure they are, that they are fine. Unless if then KP is sort of working with other African organizations, for instance, for instance HEC, or if um, the African postgraduate was still, you know, existing and also as and see if it was existing in many other organizations, Be- or even including other community organizations like Wananchi, which is a Kenyan community, or even Ninalem, which is led by David Foto, but that kind of collaborating with the many other African organizations here to also help our students in this particular context. And other organizations may have done it. I'm not really sure of that. I don't have any evidence of it, but I'm just interested in hearing the heart of KP at this moment. So tangible would be financially helping students who might have struggled because it was hard when COVID started. We were still under a different leadership, you know, nationally. And to hear statements such as, if you are here and as a migrant and you discover that now during COVID you cannot be able to sustain yourself, perhaps it's about time you think about going home. I felt like that was a very harsh statement from the you know, previous um, prime minister, especially considering that international education by then was the second largest export in Australia, employing more than 250,000 Australians. And I don't have sort of a breakdown as to within this number of African international students, how many of them were Africans and how can we 
break down the cohort of then how many Africans, if we were to look at the proportion, how many African uh, migrant students, their sort of fees and whatnot help employ X number of Australians. I don't have the full understanding of it, but I'm trying to build context into that would be the tangible things to say, here we are, we are in COVID, things are hard for our students, how can we help financially? How can we help maybe with food parcels apart from just allowing certain uh, stakeholders that work with the unit to be the ones that are administering this, but what are we as CAPE doing on our side? And it could also stretch forward to other practical things, such as is CAPE interested in looking at you know, issues of concessions. Um, about two or three years ago, if I'm not mistaken, international students wanted to go on a march demanding that there should be student concessions for international students to sort of use a bus because the bus fares was high for international students. There could be also issues around um, the English test. Students who come from, you know, countries that are English-speaking countries in Africa and they've done their degrees in English. Um, but when you come to this space, then there's those requirements of visa, these entry and that entry. Those, I know that those questions, most of them are more now on a high level than what a university can decide on. Whatnot. But the gesture from KP, what is the heart of KP in that? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned those ideas. Um, in natural fact, KP doesn't have resources. Yeah. We need to build up resources, even for research. We apply our, mem if I say members, all members of the university that are interested in doing anything for Africa have to compete with any other resources. And it depends on, let's say, the research grants, the specific, uh, specific things they want to finance. If it doesn't flow onto Africa, it means that opportunity is not there. Mm -hmm. During COVID, uh, it's individuals, individual members of KP and students went on their own accord to look for um, assistance for helping students. KP doesn't have the financial resources to subsidize uh, students when they are in need. I think the university has an institution, they have the capacity where they do give loans. Mm -hmm. So students can just approach their university and see if there are such facilities for them to borrow. Uh, for individuals in terms of um, bus subsidy, etc. If those ideas are raised with us, we could write on behalf right. of students to mm -hmm. seek, but we cannot say that we can provide money to subsidize because we kept it as in yeah. money for, yeah. for those uh, things. And we also work with African governments here. So if anybody is here and finding difficulty to reach out to their governments in Canberra and they get to KP, we try to connect them. In fact, I did that last African day celebration, for example. Mm -hmm. I was there and listening. I move around people listening. And I carry information from people to their respective governments right. in Canberra that people are here and they need help. Some wanted to go send items home and they don't know how they could do it. I raised that with the governments in Canberra and Canberra, they can governments can help unless we know what people need. We right. cannot help. We don't have the uh, tangible things like money to subsidize, but we can mediate. We can represent them to uh, society organizations that mm -hmm. may possibly help them. But unless they come to us and all the communities you have mentioned, I started by saying Africa is a large continent yeah. with so many countries. So we have 
country representatives or groups. We want to work with them, but unless they come to us, maybe they don't know us. That's the reason I'm here. Yes. To say that there is a center here. They can approach us and we see what we can do. We don't have money, but we work hand in hand mm -hmm. and look for people who probably could help, people mm -hmm. who know how to help. Mm -hmm. So they may not know you, but you know they are there. Uh, I know Some there of is them. hunter African yeah. community. Uh, I know that there is Nigerian community. Uh, there are, I know there is Kenyan community because I have uh, members of KP mentioned those to me. Yes. And we use KP representatives to reach out to the communities. Right. So the communities, anytime at all, they are welcome to bring their issues. I think at the beginning, during the COVID-2, the first idea I had was KP was just university institutions, they are into research. Yes, that is true. But then African community is also growing in Australia. It's growing in the Newcastle region. And we, we can come together and say we are here. We want to be members and we want to help do our part in terms of building this nation. KP is currently even looking at a research to track and see the economic uh, activities of Africans in Australia so that we can say that, yes, people are here. They're not just refugees, they're not just in their homes, but they are actively engaging economic activities, which is building the country as well as building their mm -hmm. home country mm -hmm. through rem uh, remittances. Dr. Dr. Kalemba, he was part of KP. I don't know if you... You're in touch of him because his his work touches a lot onto that. His PhD thesis actually looks at African migrants who work here and contribute into the economy. But he's more of a sociologist, so his work might not lean a lot towards um, economics, but he leans more towards theorizing race and experiences and so on and so forth. But his his work is amazing. That's great because it's it's not only I am an economics, but yeah. the KP that I'm telling you, we have a a sister organization in Western Australia. They are AFRIC. Mm -hmm. And I work with them, so it's not only in economics. We're looking at political contribution, right. political agency, and economic agency. And economics is really broad. Yeah. It's part of sociology. Yeah. It's part of uh, politics. It's part of medicine. Anything that you do, we fit in there. So it's not only economics. Mm -hmm. we, look, we just want to look at what Africans are contributing wherever they are, mm -hmm. and how can we raise our voices and say, yes, we do this, we also add this way or the other way, and if we need things, where can we find things? Right. That's what we want to do to build build the stability so that we, we, don't, we don't lag behind yeah. and we, we, we don't become... Um, some, we, we are visible. We're not invisible. We should be visible. Right. Yeah. Um. I have, a, I have a question which I think it's more political <laughs> and but might be unfair at the same time because very often you go into research um, workshops, you hear people asking this question, you know, um, what should Africa do to one expert? And as you said, Africa is too large. We've got, a, we've got 54 of our nations and Sometimes I wonder how one person attempts to speak on behalf of 54 nations. Yes, or might be having an idea of other sort of look-alike um, complexities of Africa, but one also has to be very careful in not treating Africa as monolith. And I think it's one of those you've echoed quite a lot today. 
My question is from your own experience, Dr. Jotu, um, and from your own observation, why is it that Africans here, let's not maybe speak about Africans, in the, the diasporic Africans in other states, but here in Newcastle, why, why do you think we struggle so hard to work with each other? And it might be maybe my own wrong analysis that we are working hard. Perhaps from your side, it might be good, but maybe let me motivate my claim. It's in a sense that you say you've been trying to reach out to other communities and members of KP who come from different communities, you sort of ask them to sort of send the message out there, but nothing has been done. Yes, I have seen you a number of times um, doing work with uh, HEC, African, the Hunter African Communities Council. I've seen you giving talks, I've seen you coming to their meetings and whatnot. Uh, yes, Cappy had number of people who came from Hack. For instance, like so, uh, Zaki Kandi, who from Kenya, who was who was part of um, Cappy, and also he was part of Hack at some point, and also coming from the branch of Wananchi. But it seems to me that there's sort of an interest of working together, but that never really happens. It remains in speech, but the practicality of it to happen, it becomes a bit of a problematic thing is it is it a wrong analysis of the situation from my end and if so what do you think that might be the case yeah thank you that's often the issues we hear but i think we should not expect all the 54 countries of africa to be together and do the same thing and happy i think there is strength in diversity mm -hmm. if you're talking about africa we're calling it 54 but we have it can be divided into sub-Sahara Africa yeah. and then the Middle Eastern African countries or Northern African countries. Within the sub-Sahara African countries, we can still go West, East, South, Central, wherever. And within those regional divisions, there are still specific countries. The expectation that we are Africans and therefore we should behave the same is setting us up to failure. Okay. We should not expect that we are going to be all singing the same anthem. Yeah. It has been tried at the time of organization of African unity. We haven't been united since the 50s until now, which means that we, we are happy we are growing in our diversity. I think we should promote the diversity. And from my perspective, I think... The regions, the countries, and the individuals are working hard to achieve an aim. And we are working at it one step at a time. So over time, we could come together, as we do within the Hunter African community, or within, call it Australia African organizations. Yeah. That's good. But if we bring all the diversity that we have and work towards it, I think that is where we will be achieving what we want. But if we keep eye on the issue that we hold hand in hand and we have just one objective, it might not be conducive for everybody. Right. And we shouldn't mark down anybody because people are doing something that is different. In fact, Africa is rich of culture. Yeah. Even our food, our way of life is different. Yeah. So we can promote each other together. It doesn't matter whether we are using the same idea or achieving that we can achieve the same goal through many means so i don't see it as a limitation i guess my my, my my question or my point 
and and I love your response, but my question and my point is more directed into saying, I mean, I'm not saying let's have everybody from KP now wanting to behave like heck or wanting to behave like, um, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying at least when we go to a space such as maybe heck, and I'm using that as an example, not as an imposed idea on heck, Mm -hmm. but seeing that heck actually worked hard to even recognize the many other existing sub groups i'm calling them sub not that they're minor but like any other groups for instance recognizing wananchi recognizing kp recognizing agency or epsa and so on and so forth the the ghanaian community because there is a ghanaian community that i see very now and then there is a nigerian community and i know there's a burundi community and but working together around those it's mainly for that particular thing it does not have to be throughout the year try to change everybody to think in whatever way like you said that's going to take years and years and decolonizing the mind in so many ways because some people still manage to cross over the ocean to hear with politics from back home and when they enter this new space they cannot let go of politics from back home so my question is mainly just about that to say at least one event that we can say we have seen the unity in our diverse mm-hmm. way it seems to be very difficult for me unless if it's a matter of who sh- who should raise their hand and say i'm doing that and welcome everybody but it starts from also observing the partnerships from a should i say maybe micro level can someone from kp sit can a leader from KP sit in, on the same table with a leader from HEC and there be peace? Sure. And can they do that with the same from Wananchi and there, there be peace and there be common way of thinking about how can we work this event in what, whatever direction? The point of me trying to do and create this space, this episode on community engagement, I've already done one which I released an episode about last week. I had David Fortu from Ninalem, and if you're aware of Ninalem, David Fortu is not just focused on Africa. David Fortu is all around. Mm-hmm. The Pacificas, Latin Americans, Africans, they are part of David Fortu's organization. Yes. But he seems to be moving in one direction, trying to look what is the common goal. We're not trying to change people from the Pacifica, from the Fiji, from the Maori culture to think like Africans and to behave like Africans or the other way around. People can still remain rooted and proud of their cultures. But when they come to Ninalem, what is the common goal? This is basically the same thing that I'm asking. So I tried to do that to bring in Heck to sit on the same table with you, to bring in Ninalem, which Ninalem honored the invitation. You are honoring the invitation. Unfortunately, I still cannot get through to Heck. And I said, I'm going to give Heck another last chance to show up. And heck is still not showing any much interest. And I'm saying this with confidence because I'm not treating this as a gossip. I want everybody to know and you to know that on my own space, on my own platform that I'm building, I'm trying to also build in my own way to say, let's sit down, let's talk, let's see what could be the way forward. So that nobody today would say, Tony, you just criticized from the outside. I know the politics within. I was part of KP. I sit in KP meetings every now and then before I go ahead a job and had a clash in terms of my availability. I was part of KP. I'm friends with too many people within Ninalem and within 190, and I'm able to criticize certain things within them because they've allowed me and they've given me the space to do that. But what's your view in terms of our differences in that particular case, and what could be the way forward? My view is to say that you're doing really well, Tony, and I encourage everybody to be able to be comfortable with each other. 
um, if we can't criticize ourselves, then we don't have a space to grow. Criticism is the fuel of correcting and growing. So personally, I don't see um, issue with right. criticism. We can, if we don't criticize, we don't see the wrong and the right. So that's a good idea. And to all our folks over there uh, that we are speaking to, that hear us, I encourage everybody to reach out. Uh, it's better to criticize ourselves than people tell us. Yeah. Like the emperor has no clothes. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we build up strength from that and I encourage everybody to. My view is that um, each organization, each subculture is doing fantastically. Yeah. Let's bring the positives. Uh, since 2019, when KP was launched, we just head straight into COVID and there was no opportunity to come together. There will be opportunity now that COVID is gone yeah. for us to come together. And when we call on people, uh, I have seen them come together under the luncheon. We need to come together and build up again to say that we are here as Africans. We look forward to that. Uh, each of the sub-communities, if there is anything and they want to reach out to the other, they should do. They should feel free and do that. And um, the issue also is timing, as you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. We have limitations, but as much as uh, as much people as are able to attend, they should attend. Personally, I like diversity in unity. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't like imposing ideas yeah. because I'm an academic. You call university, and we have different disciplines. Mm -hmm. We all work together. We all targeting the same issues that affect humanity. Yeah. It's just society or humanity we all looking at. And that's example that we learned that um, people who are visually challenged went to feel elephant. Yeah. Those who feel the ear feel that it's like a fan. Yeah. Those who feel the legs say it's a big three. Yeah. Those who feel the body or felt the body felt it's like a big stone or something. And yet they're all describing the same thing. Right. That's how we approach development. Yeah. We don't impose things, but we work together. That's true. So I would like to do that. I really appreciate it. That's a right place to land, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe two last dying questions. Number one, what should we look forward to? What's next in KP? What events are we looking forward to? And then the last question would be, how can people get access to you? Like your details. Yeah. Okay, to get access to me, KP stands for Center for Africa. Oh, sorry. Research. Yes, to get access to the center, not to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you go to the investing website and you type KP, the K with a hyphen, a hyphen P, you will be directed to the center and you say me. Right. Uh, we're building the, um, the, the site still. Uh, it's coming up. There's a lot of things I need to put there. We will do. Anyone that reaches out there will get me. The phone number is there. It's my work phone number. Yeah. But if you call, I will be able to get you or send email through the email link. And uh, what KP is up to, uh, we're looking up now at what we could do. In fact, we have uh, individuals having projects that are all coming together. Mm -hmm. KP is an umbrella unit and individuals work within KP. They might be within their own faculties, mm -hmm. their own colleges, etc. But people that work on African projects, we try to see if there is commonality, especially supporting our African partners so that they feel equal partners to our Australian partners and work together. The issues you mentioned in terms of um, 
how do we uh, probably monitor um, corruption or call it feel inferior or any anything yeah. any hindrance at all kepi is there we do not dictate to people but we work together with everyone so that we all feel uh, equally uh, been equally recognized for what we're doing and the outcome is the outcome of the projects we're doing how does it benefit africans we are part of the newcastle community or hunter community australian community and our various communities back home we want to build up so we look up we work with um politicians or governments non-government organizations individuals mm -hmm. so I'll, i'm encouraging people to reach out if there is anything in particular they want us to look up they can make suggestions and we take it from there dr janet thank you so much thank you. i'm really humbled and honored to have you leaving your time to come and share with us and to really expand the many things that we've discussed today appreciate your time thank you very much i think you are doing a great job I'm very happy that we have a voice at least to let people hear. And we're also looking for partners in terms of funding. Yeah. So anybody that wants to fund, we have the university uh, philanthropic organization. They can give money to them through the university mm -hmm. in case they want it to be tax recognizable. Right. There's a lot of work going on in Africa. We do see a lot of um, non-profit organizations doing great jobs over there. Uh, sometimes research and engagement with those people book, put the energy or the spring in their steps. Yeah. So anybody who wants to reach out or support us, those persons are welcome. And to everyone, I think we have diversity, but we are strong and we bring it together and we will have um, achieve a, a common goal, which is to promote humanity. So thank you, Tony. Thank you. You're doing great work. Thank you so much. Thanks, listeners of the Visions and Tones podcast. Uh, that was Dr. Janet Giotto, the senior lecturer at the University of Newcastle in Australia and also director at the Center for African Research, Engagement and Partnership. As I always say, go ye and be best human beings and be the best version of yourselves. We'll catch you next time. We're out. <laughs>